Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights... Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So thank you so much for joining in today, hoping that you are having a good day. And always, I pray that your week, your upcoming week, is one of learning, growing, developing, really feeling God's presence, really knowing that he is with you every step of the way, and that He has divinely planned much, all of the week that you're walking into. So we're going to talk today about this social media phenomenon and how that really affects us and what we need to do to manage it well, because it certainly isn't going away. We know that. So our good friend of the show, Karen Kingsbury, we've had her on the show several times, and she has sent me one of her newest books that she has just released, and it's called When We Were Young. And she is quite an amazing you know, author, and she has an amazing array of, of books that she has written all about a particular family. And she is certainly a New York Times bestselling author. And she has this rare and beautiful love story about this young couple, and they are on the eve of their divorce. And it's a story that kind of takes place in in about 24 hours, and it raises this question. What if you could see where your choices were taking you? And so this is a great novel that really takes real-life circumstances, puts it in a storybook form, and helps us to learn in a very different manner. And, and we know from reading the Bible that God loves stories. And that's one of the ways that he teaches us stories. And so it talks about this wonderful couple. I think it's called Noah and Emily. And, and behind these carefully staged photos and all these entertaining posts, their life is anything but a fairy tale. And Noah, one of the prime characters, the, the soon-to-be husband, has a social media obsession, and it is ruining and has ruined everything. And so it goes on to show how the family works through this and how they help Carrie, how they help Noah, and how a miracle occurs. And so think about this idea about social media. What what is this really about? And what is this really doing? And I want you to, to understand that one of the biggest problems that I see that comes to my office every day and is presented in in my practice is people feeling like they are not enough. They're not good enough. 
They're not strong enough. They're not pretty enough, smart enough, rich enough. They never are measuring up. And so I want to start with the famous Psalms 139. That that chapter, that, that wonderful story that God is telling us and what he says about us. And it goes on to say in Psalms 139, I'm going to read the entire passage because it really is important for us to get the entire picture of what God is saying to us. And he says, you know, David starts out with talking to God about himself. And this is a wonderful example of what God wants us to see, how he wants us to see ourselves, what he would like us to say to God, to say to him about how we see and feel about ourselves. Because, you know, if you're, if you're like me, I don't generally tell God how great I am and how much I like myself and how happy I am with myself when I'm talking to God about me. And so I get this great example from King David. And he says in the first verse of Psalms 139, he says, Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. That statement in and of itself, you've examined me. You know everything about me. Now, I don't know about you, but I, you know, being examined, you know, if you've ever go to the, go to the doctor, right, or the dentist, or, like me, come to see a psychotherapist, the examination process is kind of unnerving. But here we see King David, he's saying, oh, Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. He's not saying, oh, gosh, this is frightening, Lord, this is scary. I feel worried and distraught and anxious because you're going to examine my heart. He has such security and confidence about who he is. And we all know it's not really about how great he is because he made a lot of really bad choices. So he says, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. Isn't that interesting? He says, you know my thoughts. Now, Do you want someone to know everything that you think? So he's saying, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. Think about what that means. If I were to say to you, God knows everything you do. He knows every thought you have. That's, That's a big, weighty idea. He goes on to say, you know what I'm going to say before I even say it. God knows everything I think, everything I do. He knows everything about me, and he also knows what I'm going to say before I say it. He says, you go before me and you follow me. And you place your hand of blessing on my head. After he said all this stuff about how well God knows him, He even says, and you bless me. You put your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. Think about little kids, how often they hide. And many times they hide because they're afraid they're going to be in trouble. If you have pets that hide, think of Adam and Eve. They hid. The first people on the planet hid from God. And David is saying, I can never escape from you. 
I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell on the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. See, we can hide from ourselves, but we cannot hide from God. And I think this passage is so important for us, more important than maybe you realize when it comes to the social media era that we live in. Because I'm sure you have posted things, said things, done things, had pictures taken of you that you wish weren't out there. And what King David is saying, even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. And he says, to you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are same to you. you. And then he goes on to say this very important piece, which is why he has so much confidence and no shame. See, King David has no shame. We always know there is shame present when we want to hide. When we hope nobody finds out, when nobody knows what we really think, what we really feel, what we've done, what we want to do. So King David did not feel the need to hide from God, nor from himself. What a gift this confidence is that he has. So where does he get that confidence? Well, in verse 13, this is what King David says to God. He said, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And this is so important. In other translations, it says, You knew me before I was formed. You created me in my mother's womb. You thought of me and created me. And this is imperative for you and I to understand in this era where we have so much comparison, so much scrutiny, so much anxiety about who we are and who we're representing ourselves to be and how the world is going to receive us. This is important for us to understand is that God is a creator. He's a designer. And he designed you with thought. And he is very happy that he made you. No matter what. See, King David, he messed up really bad. He never doubted God. He never doubted God's love for him. He never doubted that he was valued. He knew his behaviors did not always match who God made him, created him to be. But behaviors many times are not indicative of who we are. Now, the healthiest version of us is that what we say, what we do, how we look, how we act, what we think, is close to the original design of what God is, has really meant for us to be. 
But what we want to realize is going into this social media era, in, the, in this platform, in that environment, that we must go with that confidence that God is happy about who he made, regardless of whether or not I do it right or wrong. He's pleased with me. He loves me. He's excited about his creation, and there's nobody else on the planet like me. There will never be another me. I am the only one. So the whole entire, really, impetus of this show is learning to compare myself to myself. That's the only real true comparison. How can I compare myself to someone that's different? You know the Sesame Street. You know, one of these is not like the other. So it's ludicrous for me to compare myself to somebody that is not like me. If I were to compare myself to an NFL football player, that would be absurd. I compare me to me. So we go back to saying, Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know my thoughts. You know what I'm going to do. And you still say I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. You wanted me. You loved me. You're happy that you created me. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about what social media does to our mental health, how it affects us, and how to remedy that. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. If you've just tuned in, I'm so glad that you're here with us today, and you can always listen to the show on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, as well as going to the Patriot website, and they will. you can just find me there as one of the hosts. Click on that, and it will take you to the shows as well. So you can always catch up. You can always send them to your friends. So we are talking about social media, the effects of social media, what social media does to us, and we're really going to also recognize that it doesn't mean that social media is the enemy. The enemy is how we perceive it, what we're using it for, what we allow it to do to us, and whether we are trying to get needs met that will never be met out in that social media world. So when we think about how it affects our mental health, what we really come to find is that... now we are having such negative potential side effects that we are now finding there's like what we call a Facebook or a social media depression. And this, this is for, for kids especially, but now we are seeing it also in adults. You have to understand that social media, because it creates endorphins, it, ha- it, it deals with the brain chemistry of, with serotonin, norepinephrine, all these different neurotransmitters, It actually gives us an experience without really living in reality. It's not a, what we would call, real concrete experience. It's happening all in our brain. And so we can't really say that social media is what we would call addictive. It is certainly compulsive. Addictions, when, if we really talk about what an addiction is, it has to be an actual substance that is mood-altering, like food, smoking, um, different types of psychotropic medications or drugs, street drugs, these things. But what we do know is that it's compulsive, which means that every time I get a good feeling, I want to do it again. 
and I want to do it again. And even if I don't get a good feeling, I'm going to keep doing it, chasing that good feeling. And if I don't do it, I'm going to have some of the same feelings of withdrawal. And so what we see with social media is it's what we call, what happens is it's conditioning. And we have inoperant conditioning and operant conditioning. And we've talked about this before. And and operant conditioning is that every time I do a behavior, I get the same result. So if I touch a hot stove, every time I'm going to be burned. Inoperant conditioning means that I do the same behavior, but sometimes I get a positive response and sometimes I get no response and sometimes I get a negative response. And because I can't anticipate what response I'm going to get, I just keep chasing the positive one. Even if I get 10 void responses, 15 negative responses, I'm going to keep chasing that one positive response. It's kind of like slot machines in Las Vegas. And so this is why we say it's extremely compulsive and it feels addicting. So what we find with social media is that it really truly triggers more sadness and less well-being. The more we use social media, the less happy we seem to be. There's a study that was done a few years ago, um, and it was found that Facebook the use of Facebook was linked to both less moment-to-moment happiness and less life satisfaction. The more people used it in a day, the more they suffered from less happiness. Sorry for the double negative there. So this is what, what, what occurs, is that we end up comparing our lives with others, and this is extremely mentally unhealthy because we don't have the whole picture, for one. There's a lot of variables that are not available for us. On top of the fact that just as we spoke about in the beginning part of this show, when God says you're beautifully, wonderfully made, I know everything about you, and you're 100% unique, how can you compare two things that are not the same? So even though I can compare myself one woman to another, the diverse the, the amount of diversity in women is staggering. And so when we're comparing ourselves to something that, first of all, doesn't quite fit, doesn't quite match, it's not an equal comparison. And then we combine that with the fact that we don't even have the whole picture of what we're comparing ourselves to. What ends up happening is we start to fill in the blanks. So we look at a happy picture of somebody on Facebook. They look beautiful. They're surrounded by a bunch of friends. They're saying that they're, I don't know, on the other side of the world at a beautiful resort. They're taking this picture that looks like everything is amazing. But what's happening behind the picture? Maybe they're in complete debt with the amount of money it took to get there. Maybe they're anxious about their own body, the way they look. Maybe they're in a fight with their husband or their best friend. Maybe they're creating this picture to convince themselves things are great. So once we start comparing ourselves to someone, we always want to remind ourselves, someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. So if I compare myself to someone and I lose and they win, what kind of win is that for them? 
Well, if I win, that means that someone lost. What kind of win is that for me? The more that we do this comparison issue, the more jealousy we incur. And it is quite a vicious cycle. Because then we start weighing and measuring. And we start gauging. And we start taking a whole bunch of mental energy, figuring out an equation that we don't have all the variables to. So I start thinking to myself, why is she like that? How is she able to do that? Why does she have all of that? Instead of thinking about my own life. So instead of thinking about their life and all of the things they have or look like they have, why aren't I thinking about my own life and asking myself, what's getting in the way of me having those things? And what is the issue of acceptance? How much do I need to accept that I can't have everything? This is what means, what, me, what this means is we get caught up in this delusion that we actually can have all these things because we think that somebody out there is having all those things. So this is where we get caught up in a big fantasy world. We create a ton of pain that is unnecessary for ourselves and probably isn't even based in truth or reality. And then it starts to begin to alter the way that we interact with others and the way we interact with God. And we start to see relationships as a way to get something versus recognizing that relationships are because humans have a need to connect. We need to be known and we need to know someone. We can't know someone through one picture and they can't know us if they don't even know we're looking at the picture. So we miss out on what really social media might otherwise be able to help us achieve. And that would be connectiveness. But connection that's deep and meaningful takes time. And humans take time. You can't do just a snapshot. You can't do just one sentence. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Keep with me here as we talk about social media and the effect it has on us, on our hearts, our lives, our well-being. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. I always appreciate you taking time to join me on your Sunday afternoon. And thank you so much for telling me about listening to the podcasts. I really appreciate that. And I really create them just for, your, just for you, for your own well-being, for your own help. But, you know, not everybody can come see a therapist every week or, or spend the money to see a therapist. And it's nice sometimes just to hear a friendly voice that's encouraging and inspiring to you. So make sure you take advantage of the podcasts. You can always see them on the website. We've got lots of things on social media, on Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all these different platforms that I really attempt to use to inspire you, to secure you in God's love for you, how valuable you are, how beautifully, wonderfully made, how very happy he is that he created you. And that he created you for a reason, for a purpose, that nobody is happenstance. So everyone was created with a plan, and it's unique to you. 
And what we want to think about and why we are really looking at this social media issue is what a phenomenal creation and platform and vehicle social media is, but how much the enemy can use it against us. And so what I want you to understand about your brain is that your brain does not distinguish between what is real and what is imaginary. And Dr. David Hamilton, he's a PhD, he did a wonderful, um, he did some great research and wrote this article about really how the brain responds to thinking. And that if the brain thinks on it, it thinks that it is real. And he did a whole bunch of brain scans. And the brain scans really showed that this was the case. He had some volunteers, they were asked to play the piano. They were asked to play a sequence on the piano. And, and they were asked to play that sequence every day for five consecutive days. And then their brains were scanned each day that they practiced that five-note sequence. And then another set of volunteers were asked to imagine playing the notes instead. And they had their brains scanned each day. Well, what they found is that the ones that imagined playing the notes had the same exact brain activity as the ones that actually played the notes. So you can clearly see that those who played the piano had the same images as the ones who didn't play the piano but just thought about it. So it shows us, does our brain really distinguish from what we imagine and what is actually real? So this has a lot to do with chemicals that are including cortisol and adrenaline that really help the brain when, it, when the brain really excretes these, these hormones and these chemicals. It ramps up the body to do something as if it's happening in real time. So this is what the fight, flight, or freeze issue is about. I think about something dangerous, my body immediately responds. So this is why in couples counseling... I do so much work on how you think about what's happening in the situation with your spouse, your partner, your friend. If you're thinking, they hate me, they're going to leave me, then you're going to get a wash of stress hormones that completely alter the way you experience the moment. So where a small argument that really just may be easily resolved turns into an excruciating cataclysmic experience because of the way people think. So what does this mean in real life? Well, it means that what you imagine to be happening is actually happening as far as your brain is concerned, which means that it alters my experience of the world and it alters the way I think about what's happening in the world. So with social media, this is super important to understand. What I see and what I think about what I see directly affects how I view my world, myself, and how I'm going to then respond to the people that are actually real in my life. And it's going to affect how I respond to my own life. So if I wake up and I start perusing social media, and I see all these people that are beautiful and having a wonderful time, or I see friends that are together and I wasn't invited and I'm not careful about how I think I've already experienced rejection when I don't even know if it's true I've already experienced feeling less than when I don't even know all that I'm comparing myself to 
So we have to be very careful. God says in Proverbs 28.7, I'm, I'm sorry, 23.7, for whatever you think within, however you think, that is how you will be. For as a man thinketh within, so he is. He knows his design. He knows how he created us. So be careful how you think about what you see in social media and how you let that decide how you think about yourself. Join me in the last segment. We're going to talk a lot about comparing your insides to other people's outsides and what it does. Well, happy Sunday, and thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host on Conversations with Cynthia. And I'm really praying that you have a very, very wonderful week, one that does not have a whole lot of stress, and one that has a lot of people smiling at you. And I want you to notice those things. So we're talking so much about social media today, and you know, I could spend probably three shows on this, And we left off in the last segment really talking about the research they've done on the brain and that what we think in, in, you know, in our mind, that our mind does not distinguish between what we think and what is actually real. And so I have to be careful about how I think because the way I think directly affects my body, which directly affects my mood. And then again, affects the way that I think and the way I make decisions. And so we have to be very careful. I gave you the verse, Proverbs 23, 6, 7. It says, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. We talked at the very beginning of this show about Psalms 139, where King David was saying to God how much he knew that God knew him. And he said to God, how beautifully, wonderfully made I am. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You thought about me. You thought about me and created me. And so I want you to think about the value that God has placed on his unique people. He never, ever repeats himself. What an amazing artist that is. Never repeats himself. So first of all, we have to be careful about comparing or contrasting things that are unique because that's a difficult comparison game to compare myself to another person who is not me this is why we want to compare ourselves solely to ourselves we want to compare ourselves to who we think God is asking us to be calling us to be wanting us to be and when you start to denigrate yourself when you're using social media to prove to you how much you don't measure up I want you to study this verse in Romans. This is one of my favorite verses, passages. It's Romans chapter 9, and it it starts in verse 20. And I really like Romans 9, 20. And it says, the writer says, you know, who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? So God is saying to you, who do you think you are? Who are you to talk back to me? And say, why did you make me like this? He says, shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? And he goes on to say, doesn't the creator have a right 
to make whatever his creation is the way he wants it to be. And who are you to not be happy with how I made you? This has helped me tremendously in my life over the years. I've gone back to this verse repeatedly. God first introduced it to me in my mid-20s when I was really struggling with self-concept, self-esteem, self-worth, my appearance, everything. And God very clearly said to me, Cynthia, you're an artist. You love to create things. How would you feel if something that you made told you it hated what you made? Told you how differently you should have made it? How would you feel if the thing that you lovingly, with thought, created? You were so happy that you created it, and all of a sudden the thing you created wasn't happy with you. So this is imperative that you introduce Psalm 139, you introduce Romans 9.20, and then the Proverbs that talks about, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. So these three passages are so helpful to support us when we are dealing with social media. When I go to deal with social media, I remind myself, for as I, as I think within, so I will be. If I think horrible, terrible, denigrating thoughts to myself, that's how I will be. I will be yucky. I will feel yucky, bad. I will end up then having bad behaviors, difficult interactions with people. I'm going to hate living, and it's going to lead all the way down that path. And so I remind myself if I'm dealing with social media to be careful how I think. I remind myself about Romans 9.20, where I say, you know, who am I to talk back to God and say, why would you make me like this? He's not allowing social media so that I can compare and contrast myself to every other person out there and feel like I'm not measuring up and they're farther along than I am and somehow something is dreadfully wrong with me. So I use Romans 9.20 and I use Psalms 139. When I say to myself, you know, God knows everything about me. He's examined me. He knows every thought I have. He knows my way. And he was happy that he created me. And so when I look at that other person on social media and I feel less than, I say to myself, God knows all their ways too. He knows all their thoughts. He's examined them as well. And he loves that he made them. And so just as they look at my picture and don't know the backstory, I look at their picture and don't know their backstory. I cannot compare myself to only face value. It's kind of like looking at a beautiful house, comparing your house to someone else's house and recognizing that once you walk in it, it's filled with rats, right? You don't know what's behind the door. So when we look at this, one of the things we want to consider, there's this great saying, nobody knows who who the author is, but it's a brilliant saying. It says, never compare your insides to somebody else's outsides. Don't compare your inside, how you feel inside, to what you're seeing outside. And that goes both ways. If I'm feeling really good about myself and I look at somebody else and they're not looking so good on the outside, the last thing God wants me to do is to get more puffed up and say, wow, look how awesome I am. Those people suck, right? That's not what God is wanting. The same way, if I look at someone and they look so wonderfully put together and happy and oh my goodness, and I'm not feeling so put together that day, God does not want me to compare how I feel about me inside to what I see outside. Because 
when I compare, someone's always going to lose. Someone will always have more or less than you. There'll always be someone who is better or worse. And so you don't want to base who you are and where you're going in your life and what God has called you to do on somebody else's path. It's kind of like when you were a little kid and the teacher said, keep your eyes on your own paper, right? Keep your eyes on your own paper. So think about what God is saying to us because there are some strategies that we can, we can do when we're struggling with comparison. And one of the things is that we want to compare fairly. So if you really are going to compare, please compare apples to apples. And also compare up and down. And what that means is that sometimes we use comparisons to justify our own behaviors. So we notice how we're doing something better maybe than somebody else. We notice that we're doing less than somebody else. So we find someone that's operating at our level to compare ourselves to. And so we usually compare ourselves to try to make ourselves feel good. Well, that, that's really not, we don't want to use people in that way. So you want to say to yourself, I really shouldn't be comparing myself to who I am. If I want to compare myself to someone I admire, right? Because I like how they do their life and I want to borrow some of the things they do. I want to say, hey, I like how they handled that situation. So the next time I find myself in that situation, I can say, how did I do? Did I do as well as that person that I'm comparing myself to? Well, that's just simply using humans to learn. And that's excellent. So the other thing that you want to do when you're struggling with comparison, I want you to own it. Write it down. See, write down what you're doing, what you're thinking, how you're feeling. Really own your thoughts, own your feelings, own your actions. And you start to find out what is it that I'm really achieving? What am I attempting to do? And how accurate am I being? And then always remind yourself, we never compare our insides to somebody, our, our insides to someone else's outsides. It's a, it's a recipe for disaster. And so think about the fact that comparisons are unfair. Comparisons, by definition, require metrics, right? Comparisons rob us of precious time. I found this, this great article, and, and I like what this person said. This is by a man named Joshua Becker. And um, he says, we get 86,400 seconds each day. Using even one to compare yourself or your accomplishments to another is one second too many. It's a waste of time. It doesn't help unless you use it as a way to learn. And that's the only thing I'm going to say when it comes to whether or not you're allowed to compare. If you want to compare, then learn. But don't ever use it as a way to beat yourself up or puff yourself up. So you want to also recognize comparison puts the focus on the wrong person. You can control one life and that's yours. So when we're constantly comparing ourselves to others, we're wasting time focusing on their lives rather than on our life. What I may need to do, it also can put us in a victim position where we are feeling like, well, they get everything and I get nothing. Well, they've got all the breaks. I don't get it. Well, that's how, well, they were made beautiful. They were made smart. They were made talented. 
Because that's when we go back to that verse and we say, okay, God, it's your right to create people any way you want to create them. They belong to you, whether they know it or not. And when we do fall into comparison and we're doing it inappropriately, it often results in resentment. So we either hate ourselves or we hate the other or both. And that is a cancer to our soul. So when we start comparing, hoping as, and using it as a competition, someone's going to win, someone's going to lose, it deprives us of joy. See, the negative effects of comparison, it's wide and far-reaching. And I'm sure you've experienced it and you know exactly what I'm talking about. So how do we break free from that? Well, I want you to become intimately aware of your own successes, and I don't want you to denigrate them and compare them to someone else's successes. And I want you to pursue great things in life. You get one life. And I want you to compete less and appreciate more. And I want you to be growing spiritually and practicing gratitude. You know how much we've talked on this show about gratitude. Find inspiration without comparison. Always compare you to you. And I found this uh, saying, I, I took an excerpt out of a, an article from a guy named Chris, Chris Guilabeau. And he says, comparison truly is the thief of joy. There will always be someone with more money, more sex appeal, more blog readers, whatever your metric is. You must remember to avoid the comparison game. You must be responsible for what comes into your life. Grow and challenge yourself. Yes, strive. Work hard. Seek to improve however you can. But do not give in to the temptation of always trying to have more than others because someone will always have more than you. And that's how it should be. It really is a circle. It's not a vertical line. I hope this has been helpful. I want to remind you again that God says he is so happy that he made you, that you are beautifully, wonderfully made, and that he was very pleased when he made you. And he wants you to enjoy who he made and, and enjoy the life that he has for you and pursue it with a vengeance and with passion. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me next Sunday. Make sure you check out all the social media that we have. Give me any inspirations or things that you like. I love to hear your opinion. Have a blessed, blessed week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.